We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been been there, there, done done that. that. Are you feeling a bit lost in the maze of college entrance exams and really not sure which one your student should take or when or where or how much do they cost and how does the scoring work? Today on episode 32, we're going to demystify these exams, equipping you with the knowledge and strategies you're going to need that will ensure your child has a successful transition to college life. Today is the fifth episode in our high school series. If you haven't checked out the first episodes of this series, be sure to check that out on our website. The first is a trailer episode where we discuss whether or not your high schooler can get a diploma, whether or not you need to teach some of those high-level classes, and whether or not your homeschooler can go to college. And then we continue into the first of the series where we discuss making a four-year plan, what are graduation requirements, and how do you plan for your homeschooler's future. And the second in the series is discussing high school core subjects and what electives that your high schooler needs to take and what actually constitutes a high school credit. The fourth of the series is all about documentation, everything you need, your portfolio, transcripts, resume, counselor letter, course descriptions, your school report. We also have two templates that you can download for free from our website to create your transcript. And then the fourth series is all about advanced courses and testing, dual credit, AP, CLEP, honors, DSST, and ACE. And so be sure to check all those out. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Good morning, Nicole. It's so good to see you. Good morning, Maria. I'm excited to be here. I am happy to record with you today. You've been so busy with Model UN, the Gemin Conference. We are. We finished up yesterday and it was fantastic once again, but I'm relieved to have my kind of crazy last few weeks of busy have come to an end. What country did y'all represent this year? Well, we didn't because uh, Jillian was part of the secretariat and then I was a helper. So it was our first year not having a delegation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were we're just we're into the actual like running of the event now, which was fun. I was in charge of all the little uh, pages. Oh, those kids. How? What are they? Oh, my gosh. They're elementary. Yeah, they're third graders. They bring messages back and forth. So they deliver them in the rooms. And they also come. I was working in the info center and they would bring the messages back and forth. And they're so cute. They just they take it all so seriously. And they're all professional and they're adorable. They're in their little suits. I love it. And they really get into the program. Like I'm so inspired every year that these kids are our future. You know, we didn't talk about this in our Around the World episode, but we really should have. We need to put a link in there. Yeah. I'll put a link here for people that are interested in Model New UN because it's a really awesome program. It's probably do. eventually like we need to do a full episode on it because yeah. I could probably talk about it forever yeah. and ever Bring and ever. Sarah in. <clears throat> She's the expert. Yeah, it's really awesome. But so, you know, this episode today is really fitting because you know what I did while I was in the middle of all my crazy the last few weeks? I was like, oh, why don't I go ahead and sign Jillian up for dual credit? <laughs> So is she signed up to take the TSI? Yes. Okay. So, and I ordered a TSI prep book and we've been practicing and I'm sure it's going to be just fine, but. 
So okay. we're, we're ready to make that move. Yeah, Cameron started this last summer and it's been a really great experience. We just got our final exams and he's 15 and Yay. he got an A, so he's got a 4.0 at the college. Awesome, three awesome. classes so far. Yeah, we got looking through some of the different little degree programs and Jillian was so excited and she wanted to sign up for like everything. She's like, oh, I want to do all of those classes. I was like, well, you only need to pick one in that category or two here. Right. And she was like, I want to do them all. So and Jack's like that too. Yeah. Those, those are your yes kids. I know. They get really excited. So You also have a no kid. I do have a no kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's often misconceptions surrounding homeschoolers and their performance on college entrance exams. And people tend to believe that homeschoolers lack the necessary structure and resources to excel in these exams. But really, that's far from the truth, yeah. as we just said. Homeschoolers are rocking these exams. And it's time to shatter all those stereotypes and uncover the unique strengths of homeschoolers that make them stand out in all this admission process. But why do they stand out? Well, here's the top five reasons homeschoolers are performing so well on these exams. Number one is personalized learning. Homeschoolers tend to tailor their education to their strengths and interests, and they focus on subjects they're passionate about. Right. And homeschooling also fosters independent thinking and critical thinking skills and problem solving abilities, which gives them an edge on the challenges of some of these exams. They've also had a freedom to explore. Homeschoolers are not bound by a standardized curriculum. And so it allows them to go beyond the basics and develop a deeper understanding of different subjects. Right. And one of my favorite things about it is that it allows for individualized attention. And with one-on-one instruction or in small groups, homeschoolers receive personalized feedback and guidance to address any weaknesses, and it allows them to improve right on the spot. And they have a genuine love for learning. We talk about this all the time. Homeschooling encourages just this love of learning, making the study process more enjoyable and resulting in deeper understanding of material. Right. And in a world that's obsessed with multiple choice exams and bubble sheets, homeschoolers really do have the opportunity to break free from the shackles of standardized testing and embark on a truly personalized learning journey. And they have the luxury of learning at their own pace. One of the biggest benefits to homeschooling, in my opinion, is not being subject to standardized tests and assessments. For the most part, some states, you know, do require yeah, that. Some but... are a little more strict, but most of them are pretty liberal. Yeah. Even when we did live in states that had a testing requirement, Often the type of test that we took was our choice, and a lot of times the results weren't even required to be sent in anywhere. So it wasn't like there was a ton of pressure over testing. But of course, as you get into the high school years and college is looming in the future, um, standardized tests do become a reality. So for many homeschoolers, this might be their first time that they're taking a standardized test. Like our, our first test was basically the TSI. Yeah, ours was too. And actually, the TSI was the first exam that my kids ever took. And for me, testing during those elementary and even the early middle school years wasn't essential. Testing is more of a skill set in itself rather than something crucial to know for those younger years. So instead, I prefer to teach to mastery and do project-based assessments. And we incorporated a lot of discussions. So it was really easy with a small student ratio to see my kids' progress and their understanding of the material. And then we slowly incorporated study skills and testing skills in the middle school years to prepare them for this. Right. We also tended to teach to mastery. And, you know, we were Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. So we did a lot with narration and different kinds of things. We didn't involve a lot of quizzes and testing and everything like that into our homeschool. 
And it's okay if you do. Some prefer that. I've not. Yeah. I mean, and it depends on your kids. Too. Yeah, for sure. And then in high school, a lot of homeschool families are concerned about keeping track of the necessary testing required for college admissions. And I really do understand this concern because the idea of all these tests stressed me out and it really overwhelmed me back then. And I'm sure that you've heard of the long list of college tests. There's the SAT, the ACT, the PSAT, the CLEP, or the credit by exam. We talked about the AP and the CLEP in our last high school series episode. So if you haven't listened to that, be sure to check it out and check out the show notes. There's a lot of great information there. Today, we're going to focus on just the college entrance exams. Unfortunately, not every student will need to take every one of these tests. And as a homeschooler, you should carefully plan your college testing strategy based on your students' needs and their academic goals. Right. These tests are given at specific times during the year. They have to be signed up for in advance, but there's several different tests to choose from. So no matter which one your family chooses, it's important to prepare for the exam in order to help them achieve the best results possible and to eliminate any stress involved. Testing can be very stressful for some students and adequately preparing them is a key to success. Scoring well on these tests can open the door to scholarships and entering your programs of choice in many colleges. Oh yeah, for sure. And homeschoolers often utilize a variety of resources and strategies to tackle these exams. They can take advantage of online courses, tutoring services, or study groups, and there's even some specifically designed for homeschoolers. Additionally, many homeschooling families encourage their children to engage in a lot of extracurricular activities. There's more time for it in volunteer work and internships. And these are going to provide valuable real life experiences that will enhance their overall knowledge and their aptitude on these exams. It's important to note that colleges and universities are increasingly recognizing the unique qualities and strengths that homeschoolers bring to their campuses. Admission officers are looking beyond traditional measures of success and are embracing the diversity of educational backgrounds. They understand that homeschoolers often possess remarkable qualities such as self-motivation, independent thinking, and a strong sense of responsibility. You know, they're the ultimate package there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of these different test options. Uh, Let's start out with what is the TSI or AccuPlacer test? Right. The TSI is a placement test used by colleges and universities in Texas to assess students' readiness for college-level courses. And we live in Texas, so this is the exams that our kids take Mm -hmm. and Jillian just signed up for. The TSI covers three main areas. There's reading, there's writing, and math. It helps determine if you're ready to jump right into college-level classes or if you might need some extra support in certain areas. And the AccuPlacer is another common placement test used by many colleges and universities across the U.S. So it's similar to this Texas Success Initiative, or TSI, and it assesses your skills in reading, writing, and math. It also helps colleges determine which courses are best fit for you based on your skill level. Both the TSI and AccuPlacer are usually taken before college to ensure that you're placed in the appropriate courses. They're not something to stress too much about, and they're designed to help colleges provide the right support and resources to set you up for success in your academic journey. And one cool thing about the TSI is you don't have to take every part at the same time. You have the flexibility to take each section separately, and this can be beneficial, especially for younger students wanting to start dual enrollment courses, so they're not really huge 
hugely overwhelmed by one big long exam. Yeah. And when my kids took this, I gave them a couple 20s and they spent the whole day on campus and they took one part and they left the exam. They walked around campus and they got a Starbucks. Then they went back and they took another part and then they left and went and got lunch. And then they went back and took the final part. And spending all day on a college campus makes you feel really cool when you're 14 or 15. Right. You also, like you said, you don't have to take all of the sections at all like that same day. So for a lot of us, we weren't ready for the math section, but they were ready for the reading and writing. So they took that and passed. They just couldn't take any classes that had a math requirement until they pass that test later. Right. So you can still do courses that only require that exam. Right. So it was it was very flexible in an easy way. And we were currently enrolled in the math class we needed to take the test. And so it was fine. Anyway, sections of the AccuPlacer test can be used for the TSI. So the TSI assesses students' readiness for college-level courses in Texas, and it may include sections from the AccuPlacer test. So the specific sections used for the TSI can vary depending on the institution and their requirements. So basically, when preparing for the TSI, it's a good idea to familiarize yourself with the content and format of the AccuPlacer, as the TSI is going to have these similar sections. So by practicing and reviewing material related to reading, writing, and math covered in the AccuPlacer, you're going to better prepare yourself for the TSI and increase your chances of success. And for both these tests, if you don't score high enough in certain areas, you might have to take a pre or not for college class in reading, writing, or math before you can enroll in the college level classes. Or you can go home and study and a little bit more and retake the test until you get a high enough score. Right. Sometimes dual credit students aren't eligible for like pre or remedial classes. So sometimes not passing a section of this test might not limit you from school entry, but it means you can't take all the available classes like we just talked about. But you can take the AccuPlacer and the TSI as many times as you like. There just might be an additional charge later. I think we get freebies, we get three right? freebies. Okay. And, but then after that, I should look this up. I think it's like $15. It's yeah, it's really not nominal. expensive. I did look it up. So it's somewhere on one of these post-its. But yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> okay. Inexpensive. Okay, I have to say Nicole showed up with like 20 post-its rumpled up bottom yeah. of her purse. There's a lot of stuff we decided not to include in this episode if you really need to know Gosh. how many minutes and how many questions are on a test. I have that info. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, so often in the public schools, students take the TSI or AccuPlacer during the spring or summer of their sophomore year so they can start dual enrollment classes by their junior year. But many homeschoolers are taking this exam younger and younger. My kids kids both took the exam at 14, but I know that they were emotionally and academically ready for those classes. And I had the motivation because taking dual enrollment in my county is free for me. So we get to stretch those classes throughout the entire four years of high school. And that allows them to finish their associate's degree while in high school. Some students take this exam following graduation if they don't want to do dual enrollment in high school or if they plan to enter community college after graduation. We talk about dual enrollment in depth in our last high school series episode, so check that out if you want to find out more information about that in detail. Right. And you can find more information about these tests. We'll have links on our show notes. It's the acuplacer.collegeboard.org and the tsipracticetest.com. So we'll have all that so you can access that. Yeah, we'll, we'll also link to a couple study guides. Um, you can get a TSI study guide on Amazon, which I just bought. There's also an acuplacer study guide available. So, And those are, are great options for test prep. 
So just a reminder that this is a weekly episode. We drop one every Thursday morning just for you. And if you have any additional ideas or comments, please come and comment on our Facebook page on the episode thread or send us an email at info at btdthomeschool.com. We'd really love to hear from you. So what's the difference between the PSAT, the SAT, the ACT, the CLT? There's a lot of T's. (laughs) Right, there are. And it can be really overwhelming trying to figure out which one is the best fit for you. I actually created a PDF download that breaks it all down into a grid. So and an entirely different post that allows you to kind of assess which one is a good fit for you. One aspect of applying for college is submitting a college entrance exam score. All U.S. four-year universities and colleges accept your exam score, but what does it measure? How do colleges consider it in their admissions process? A college entrance exam measures your achievement in core academic areas important to your college and career success. So in addition to giving you an indication of your college readiness, your score can help match your interests with different majors and allow more educational and financial opportunities. Yeah, and these tests can be a very important part of the admissions process and can open the door to more educational and financial opportunities. And oftentimes, scholarships and merit aid are attached to these scores. And while many schools have transitioned to test optional admission, especially during COVID, that might not always apply to homeschool students. Yeah, we had a couple schools that, because of course my kids went to college right in the middle of COVID. So (laughs) there were several schools that were test optional, but then as I delved deeper. Not for homeschoolers? Yeah, not for homeschoolers. Homeschoolers still had to have this. So... But let's start by talking about the PSAT, the Preliminary Scholastic Aptitude Test, which I never knew that's what it stood for um, until we started (laughs) researching for this episode. It's a good preparation for the actual SAT, and it can sometimes yield college scholarships for top scorers. The exam comes in three forms. There's the PSAT 8-9, the PSAT slash NMSQT, and the PSAT 10. Uh, The latter two are actually the same test. They're just taken at different times of the year. PSAT 8-9 acts as a baseline for college readiness, while the other two are more based in reviewing progress. Right. And so first, um, if you're a homeschooler in 8th, 9th, or 10th grade, you may want to consider registering for the PSAT 8-9 or the PSAT 10. You might want to check with your local school or test center to find out about registration procedures, test dates in your area, We didn't take this. I don't know any homeschooler that has taken any of these, but they are available for you to take. Yes, they are. Um, Now, the PSAT slash NMSQT, that is preliminary SAT and all those other letters stand for National Merit Scholarship Qualifying Test. It's like a warm up for the big SAT exam. It's a test that high schoolers typically take in their sophomore or junior year. And you can think of it as a practice round to get you ready for the real deal. A lot of homeschoolers do take this test. Right. Don't let all those letters intimidate you. It's not that hard. But here's the cool part. The PSAT or the NMSQT, National Merit, also gives you a shot at the National Merit Scholarship Program. And if you do really well on this test, you might just qualify for some awesome scholarships or a full ride. So it's not just a practice run. It's also a chance to score some serious cash for college. Yeah, the test is about two hours, 45 minutes long. It covers reading, writing, language, and math. It's a great opportunity to see where you stand, what areas you need to work on. Plus, you're going to get some valuable feedback to help you improve for the SAT down the road. 
Right. And homeschoolers can usually participate in the PSAT by reaching out to local schools or testing centers. They are sometimes legally obligated to accommodate homeschool students, but this can sometimes be tricky. So don't hesitate to inquire about available test dates and registration procedures. You may also want to find out from other local homeschoolers if there's a preferred method for this. I know some of our friends have had better luck working through local private schools. We actually have an incredible education department here at our local high school, and they actually have a person designated to help homeschoolers through this process. Oh, that's nice to know. Yeah. I wondered where you, I I know that one of your kids had taken that. So uh, let's talk about cost. Uh, The cost of the PSAT varies, so it's best to contact the school where you're going to take the exam to get the accurate fee information. Typically runs about the $18 range, but since you have to order the tests through the school, who is also ordering, you know, batch groups of tests for their students, uh, the overall cost might vary. Right. So, and, and they have to order the test for you. It's not one that you can order yourself. Okay, here's the trickiest part about the PSAT. Everybody needs to know. You can only take it one time a year in October. However, it's essential to confirm the exact test dates because that can range and the registration deadlines with the school that you're going to be taking it at. So remember, PSAT, October, every year, once a year. Yeah, but obviously <laughs> you have to book the test like, way in advance. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, more stuff about the National Merit Scholarship Program. Um, You know, this test, as we said, serves as the qualifying test for the National Merit Scholarship Program. If you achieve exceptional scores, you can be considered for prestigious scholarships. So you can visit the website nationalmerit.org to learn about eligibility criteria, benefits, and the selection process. The scoring for the PSAT ranges, it's different than the SAT, so don't get the two confused. It ranges from 320 to 1520. Check out the College Board's PSAT page. We'll have the link on our show notes. They offer detailed insights into the exam and related resources. And colleges do not see these scores. So they're just for the students to gain testing experience and identify what areas they need to work on before they take the SAT. But if you qualify for the National Merit, that can go on into future, obviously, benefits for you if you do well. Right. And like we said, if you do well, you become eligible for National Merit Scholarship Program. This program recognizes students who've demonstrated outstanding academic ability and potential. If you're among the top scorers in your state, you can earn the prestigious title of National Merit Semifinalist. As a semifinalist, you'll have the opportunity to then move forward and compete for the finalist status. And this involves submitting additional information, such as your academic record, extracurricular activities, an essay... Right. And I actually personally know two homeschoolers that are national merits. We do. And do you have any others besides those two? Um, I do. I have another family who all of her kids have been national merits Showcasing how homeschoolers really do excel in these exams. From the pool of finalists, around 7,500 students are selected as National Merit Scholarship winners. So it's really, really selective. These winners receive scholarship awards that can be used towards their college education. And these are highly sought after students. So it's like a golden ticket. The scholarship amounts will vary, but they can range from a one-time payment to renewing awards covering multiple years or an entire free ride. And my friend's daughter actually received not only a free ride, she received dorm, food, everything, and also a stipend every month. Yeah, it's, a, it's super amazing. 
it's important to note that the amount of test takers that become semifinalists, it's like the top 1%. So each year, semifinalist status is awarded to about 16,000 high school students. So some homeschool advisors are going to recommend taking a real honest assessment here. If you think your child has a great chance to do well on the test, go for it. If on the other hand, you are fairly certain your kiddo is not going to score that high, you might be better off forgoing the PSAT and putting some time and money into solid test prep for your SAT or ACT later. Right. You don't have to do the no, PSAT at don't. all. We did choose to do it, and I probably will do it for Cameron, just because they haven't ever taken a test at this caliber, and I just think it's good practice. But it is a lot. It can be a, a really stressful exam for them, and if they're in 10th grade, that might be a little bit much. Right, or if, t- if you're in a time crunch, yeah, don't worry about fitting it in if you don't have to. Right. So let's go ahead and move on to some other testing. Both the SAT and ACT exams are important for college admissions, and some students choose to take both to have more options. They have their own unique formats and scoring systems, so it's a good idea to familiarize yourself with the specific requirements of the college's that your or your student are interested in. Yeah, remember these exams are just one part of your college application. They give colleges a snapshot of your academic abilities, but they don't define your worth or your potential. We talked a lot in our record keeping episode about all the different pieces of the puzzle that you're going to use to submit to college. So the exam is just a portion of it. Right. So most college-bound students take either that SAT or ACT, like I said, and the SAT runs about three hours and features three subject areas. You have math, reading, and writing. Each of the three sections is scored on a scale from 200 to 800. The registration for homeschoolers is available online at the College Board website. SATs are offered on school day testing and Saturday testing. Starting in the spring of 2023, the SAT is going to be moving to digital format. That's super cool. Unlike the AccuPlacer and TSI, uh, the SAT has to be taken all at once, and it's in a fairly strict and monitored kind of stressful environment. Um, It can be taken multiple times, though. Right. It's usually taken in the spring of your junior year in high school or in the fall of your senior year. We like to start in the junior year to give time to retake the test if they want to improve their grades. So the cost of the exam is about $60 with the essay, um, and many colleges do want to see the essay. You can check and see if it's required from your institution of choice. Um, and the fees and everything kind of change with time. And you know, There's also like registration, late registration, or adding on different things. So you always want to just check the college board before you apply right. for one of these and see what their current fee structure is. Yeah, they like to add a lot of fees here and there for those, but the right. base cost is 60 right now as of today. So you sign up for the SAT through the College Board website, and the test is only given on certain dates and in certain locations. It's usually at a local high school. There are registration deadlines in a couple of weeks in advance of the test, so they make you verify and you have to bring in certain documentation and wear certain things and have certain things with you. So the rules are pretty strict. They are. So again, uh, you can find more information and practice links at the College Board website. We'll link to that in our show notes. The SAT exam is also traditionally administered on paper. Uh, We did talk about how it's going to move to a digital format in uh, spring of 2023. However, starting in 2021, the College Board did introduce 
an online version of the SAT called SAT with Essay Online. And this online version is available for certain test dates in certain locations, and it provides an alternative to the traditional paper-based format. This may offer some flexibility for test takers, but it's again, it's always a good idea to check the College Board's official website for the most up-to-date information on test formats and options. And so let's move on to the ACT, which is the American College Testing which is a standardized exam that covers four main sections. You have English, math, reading, and science. And the ACT exam does have an optional writing section also, which includes an essay. And while the essay is not mandatory, some colleges and universities are going to require or recommend it as part of their admissions process. So it's worth checking with the requirements of the colleges you're interested in to see if they require the ACT essay. Yep. So on the ACT, each section is designed to assess different skills. In the English section, you're going to tackle grammar, punctuation, writing style. Math is going to put your problem solving and mathematical reasoning to the test. To the test. (laughs) Um, The reading section involves comprehending passages and answering related questions. And then the science section is going to examine your ability to analyze and interpret scientific data. And so now here's the cool part of the ACT. You don't lose points for wrong answers. So even if you're not sure about a question, it's worth taking a guess. The exam is administered multiple times throughout the year and you need to check the official ACT website for upcoming test dates. So it's a completely different website altogether. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, here's all the webs. There's a lot of websites in this episode. (laughs) So typically, you're going to take the ACT during a junior or senior year. It's advisable to plan ahead. Consider your college application timeline. Um, Many students choose to take ACT in the spring of their junior year, again, to allow for potential retakes if you want to try and um, up your score. Right, and the ACT exams are held at designated test centers across the U.S. and various international locations. And you can find nearby test centers by using the test center search tool on the ACT website. Yes, this exam typically takes about three hours and 35 minutes to complete, and that's including the optional writing section. Um, The scoring range on the ACT is between 1 and 36, so a lot different than your 1,600 SAT score. The basic registration fee for the ACT without the optional writing section is $66. If you choose to include the writing section, the fee increases to $91. However, keep in mind that costs may vary, so it's best to refer to the ACT website for the most up-to-date pricing information. And, you know, things are changing. Inflation's happening. And every time I turn around, I mean, my eggs were like $6 (laughs) last week. So just make sure you check the price to see the most accurate. Don't quote us on these prices. (laughs) So also traditionally, the ACT has been administered on paper. Uh, The test booklet and the answer sheet are provided to the students. They fill in their responses on the answer sheet using a pencil. However, starting in September of 2020, the ACT introduced an online version of the exam called ACT Online. This online version allows students to take a test on a computer at designated test centers. And the online version provides an alternative for test takers who prefer or require a digital format. Yeah, and those students are really going to take advantage of the fact that a lot of these tests are going to 100% digital format in the future. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to take a proctored digital test for a certification I was doing online, which was 
interesting. How did that work for you? Does your brain work well with those? Um, it was okay. It was I, actually the part that was stressful about it was that I didn't realize they were going to, they make you clear off everything. You take a video of your desk space yeah. and then she's like, all right, you need to get rid of that, that, that. And like some of it was just like my reminder to pay the electric bill. So yeah. a few of those from the college. So a couple of online classes that they did, they it actually has a camera watching you while you take the yeah, exam. It's yeah. crazy. So I, I'll be better prepared the next time knowing that I need to like really clear out my space ahead of time because she was stressing me out with move this move that okay no you're not ready yet I just wanted to take the test for more detailed information registration instructions and resources to prepare for the ACT obviously like we said visit that official ACT website they also have access to practice materials, learning about the test accommodations and exploring helpful tips and strategies. Remember to double check the latest information on the website, the test dates, locations, the fees and all of that. So I know I, we keep repeating that. We keep that, repeating that because it does change. Yeah. And I have heard horror stories of people not realizing the test location changed at the last minute, going to the wrong spot. So SAT and ACT remain the preferred testing choices by colleges, but how do you decide which one of those to take? SAT for a long time has been seen as more of an aptitude test, whereas the ACT has been more closely associated with testing students on their understanding of their high school curriculum. Yeah, and while some students take both tests, experts say that this isn't always necessary and preparing for both presents a challenge due to differences in the tests because they're very different. Each requires a different strategy and it's best to become well-versed in one instead of trying to go back and forth between the two. And to help students make their decision, you can begin by taking a full-length practice test for each exam and see which is best suited for them. I have a complete different blog post, kind of breaks it down to try to help you assess which test might be better for your student. Yeah, it's and it's easy to say, like, take both and see what you'll score better on. But what I would say is take both and see what format you prefer. The two exams may appeal to different types of students. Experts say that it's important that students, though, understand possible misconceptions. Right. Because the ACT includes a science section, some say that typically this leads students who excel in science and math to favor that test. And the science section, however, is a combination of reading comprehension and data interpretation and experts say adding that similar questions are embedded in other sections of the SAT. Yeah so your reading is still going to be pretty have to be pretty high for you to understand the science in that section so one test might not be stronger for one set of kids versus another. Right your first instinct might be like if you have a science or stem kid might be ACT but it might not actually be a best fit. And for both tests, some students avoid the writing test because they don't think that they're adequate writers. And the reality of applying to colleges is that providing a personal writing sample is going to occur at some point. And even if they don't require the writing portion of the test, colleges might require that writing test during new student orientation or somewhere along the college application process. You're eventually going to have to write. (laughs) Yep. So um, here's some like uh, bullet points on the SAT just to compare. So SAT has more time per question. There's like 170 questions, three hours and 20 minutes. Um, They might have some tricky questions. There's nine short sections plus an essay. There's an experimental section. There's no trigonometry. There's no science section. There's vocabulary questions. There is a guessing penalty on the SAT. Um, And the SAT tests critical thinking and problem solving skills. 
and bullet pointing some of the points on the ACT exam. First, it's less time per question. There's 215 questions. It's two hours and 55 minutes. And the questions are typically straightforward. And there's four long sections plus the essay. There's no experimental section, so you can guess all you want. There are trigonometry questions and a science section, and there's no vocabulary questions. The ACT is a content-based test. The CLT, we're going to move into the classical learning test uh, section. It's a relatively new college entrance exam that's gaining some buzz. The CLT is designed to assess a student's critical thinking, logic, and reading comprehension skills. And it kind of takes a unique approach to testing. It focuses more on classical literature, history, and philosophy rather than the traditional content covered in other exams. So you can see already why this one is um, kind of gaining popularity with homeschoolers. Right. And there are actually three types of CLT exams. There's the CLT 8, the CLT 10, and the CLT. And they're tailored to different grade levels with content becoming more advanced as students progress through school. If you're in eighth grade, there's the CLT 8, which tests your skills at a level suitable for your age and grade. And the 10th graders have the CLT 10, which is a bit more challenging to match your progress in high school. And then the standard CLT exam is for 11th and 12th grade covering a wide range of subjects and assessing your readiness for college. And the CLT is entirely computer-based, which means you're going to be taking it online. This can be a good option for students that prefer digital interfaces and typing over traditional paper and pencil exams. And there are three sections to this exam. There's the verbal reasoning, a grammar writing, and the quantitative reasoning. You'll be faced with passages to read, questions to answer, and even some essay questions. And it's a comprehensive test that challenges your ability to think critically and articulate your thoughts effectively. The CLT is gaining a popularity among homeschoolers, like we said, and uh, it, it's popular for students who appreciate a more classical approach to education. It's a great option if you have a strong foundation in liberal arts and you really want to showcase your critical thinking skills um, and abilities to colleges that recognize the CLT. Not all colleges do recognize the CLT as an option. Right. So the CLT is offered multiple times throughout the year. You can check the official CLT website, which is uh, cltexam.com. Another website. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> upcoming test dates, registration deadlines. There are designated test centers across the U.S. and select international locations. You're going to need to visit the website to find the test center near you. Yep. Like we said, CLT exam consists of multiple sections. The total testing time is going to vary depending on the level of the exam, but generally it's about a two to three hour exam. So kind of just in line with the ACT, SAT. And scoring ranges from 0 to 120. The scores are percentile based, meaning that they reflect how you performed in comparison to other test takers. The CLT costs uh, $54, CLT 10 is $44, and the CLT 8 is about $34. Again, check those prices on the website. That's what we found today, but it could change. And to sign up for it, you're going to visit the CLT website and create an account. From there, you can select your desired test date location, complete the registration process, and pay all of your fees. Super easy. And don't forget, we are going to be speakers at this year's Texas Homeschool Expo. Oh, yes. I'm so excited about Yay. that. I know. It's coming up June 9th and 10th, and uh, tickets went on sale. And it should be really cool. Uh, it's for uh, both current and prospective homeschoolers, um, as well as any other families seeking supplemental materials and resources. 
Yeah, we're going to have a booth there. So yeah. I'd love everybody to come visit us. Yeah. As the number of homeschooling households increase, the amount of quality curriculum continues to grow. There's going to be all kinds of people there oh showcasing gosh. their wares. So it should be really neat. And uh, it's an inclusive event, which is exciting. Uh, it's not aligned with any religious, political, or government entity. And it's open to all homeschooling styles and philosophies. I know. I've, I've gone to some of the big ones. And I really didn't fit in. So I'm excited that they have this inclusive event for everyone. Yeah, it's going to be great. We hope to see you there. So how do I prepare my child for exams? Well, there are four things you should consider doing when it comes to studying for a college readiness assessment. And these practices will help you build confidence leading up to the test and prevent cramming or burnout. The first thing you can do is take a practice test. Uh, taking a practice test allows you to familiarize yourself with the format and the types of questions that are going to be asked. Um, and after you take a practice test, you can kind of notice your strengths, but more importantly, you can identify any areas that you might need to work on for improvement. And the next thing is to plan your practice and study time. Set aside small amounts of time for studying over an extended period. Keep a calendar of your schedule. Make sure to keep it flexible for surprise homework assignments. Those always seem to pop up and extracurricular and fun activities. Yeah, don't uh, don't start practicing for the test the night before. You need to go into it a little bit in advance. Um, you also want to keep a positive attitude. Practice positive thinking. Imagine yourself sitting in the quiet test room, bubbling your answers on the scantron, um, and just meeting the overall challenges of the test. Or clicking, or clicking it with these new electric right, with online the, yeah, tests. Online, um, you also want to take a look at test prep options. They can help you become more familiar with test format, gain confidence, and just be ready on that test day. Helping your child practice for the specific tests they will be taking is a great way to help them improve test scores. There are many resources available to help your student prepare. There's a lot of tests available, each with their own test dates, necessary prep, online. And all these tests that we mentioned today have corresponding test study guides and books with practice tests. Khan Academy has a free test prep, and there are also a wide variety of test prep companies and tutors out there that can help provide services to teach your student strategies to use for the test. When you do that Google search, your algorithm is going to send all of them to you, so be aware that everybody's going to advertise to you. <laughs> oh my gosh, everybody. But one of the best ways to make your students feel confident on test day is to make sure that they know what to expect for the test. Remember that different tests are organized in different ways, so students need to have an understanding of the structure of the test that they're going to be taking. Students should also be aware of whether or not the test that they're going to be taking is an adaptive test. And adaptive tests are customized for each student with questions that get easier or harder depending on whether or not the student is answering the question correctly. Adaptive tests can seem very difficult even when the students are doing very well. So students need to be prepared for this so they don't get frustrated by the more difficult questions on an adaptive test. I think the TSI is an adaptive test. Well, it, it is now. It wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't yeah. before. Mm -hmm. Okay. I no, remember. They, just, they changed it. Yeah. So Sasha was telling me about that with the math. He kept going on and on and on. And yeah. he was like, no more math. They're trying to break you. <laughs> okay. And pricing can range from free for some of the prep to being quite expensive. Don't be intimidated if you have a small budget. You can get test prep books from the library or even pick up these books used. And there are free practice tests available on most of the official websites as well as the number 2.com and Khan Academy. My daughter actually took a tutoring from a National Merit student. Another homeschooler tutored her. And that was, well, actually it was a gift from a friend, but you might be able to find it, you know, at a low cost from another right. student who did well. Yeah, we also, the local library offered a 
practice SAT, which was really just a, it was through like a testing company that then wanted you to meet with them and they would try and sell you their tutoring experience later. But it was a great opportunity to take the test for free and just uh, try it out. And that's a good point. Many libraries have free test preps through their website. So you might want to check out your library and see if they have something that will work for your student. Sure. Homeschool parents can also help their students learn study skills and strategies for success on the specific test they'll be taking. Crash Course has an entire study skills playlist. Uh, We'll link to uh, some of their videos in our show notes. And on test day, you want to help your student be successful. And there are a few things that they should keep in mind. The first thing is definitely to be prepared. Make sure you know exactly where the test center is located, how to get there before the test day. You may need to arrive early. So make sure that you leave enough time for unexpected delays. Get a good night's sleep before the test day so that you're well rested and energized during the test eat a good breakfast before you go. This ensures that your brain is receiving all the nutrients it needs to function properly while test taking. I like to eat something with protein, like maybe peanut butter. You know, I eat my peanut butter toast. Every day. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Um, It's your best way to stay full and to help you just think clearly during the test. You also want to choose your clothes carefully for that test day. You want to make sure your clothes are comfortable and they won't be distracting. Wear layers so you can adjust to the temperature of the room. Many of those testing facilities are really cold. Right, really cold. You also want to make sure that you bring all the supplies you need. You're probably going to need a copy of the test registration. You definitely need an ID. I just saw a long post about ID. A lot of homeschoolers don't have an ID or a driver, you know, any kind of school ID if they're not driving and or a school ID. Homeschool Buyers Co-op has a free ID and it's just a little form I fill out and I pop it out. Right. But sometimes they won't take that. Sometimes they need a state issued ID or I, I think one of my kids had to have a passport because they didn't have a driver's license yet. So find out what kind of ID you're going to need to bring to this test to make sure you have it. <laughs> You'll also want to bring up a, a calculator if that's permitted, a watch uh, if you want to take uh, a time. I, obviously you're not going to bring your Apple watch in if that's your one but if you need to keep time you might want a regular watch pencils bring sharpened number two pencils with a good eraser they usually have them to give out but you want to bring your own as well you also want to bring a water bottle and this is going to be helpful if you get thirsty during the test if the test doesn't allow for easy access to water bottles make sure to take frequent water breaks as staying hydrated is really important when the test day comes get to the test center early don't rush. <laughs> Take some deep breaths to relax before the test begin. And once you are taking the test, pace yourself. Don't spend too much time on a single question. You want to eliminate as many incorrect answers as you can and then make an educated guess if you're on the test that allows for guessing. But overall, you want to remain calm and confident. You've prepared for this. Like you're, you're going to do great. You are going to do great. We hope we've given you some helpful tips and information about all the different test options out there and how to prepare your student. It's a step towards building confidence, evaluating your progress, and preparing for future college entrance exams. Yes. And tune in next week for episode 33, where we're going to be talking about homeschool conferences. Why should I attend a homeschool conference? What should I expect to see at a homeschool conference? And why is the Texas Homeschool Expo different? This is our lead-in because we are going to be having a booth and uh, leading a session at the Texas Homeschool Expo coming up. We are not going to be recording an episode on June 8th and June 15th this month, uh, but we hope that you will come and see us or listen to one of our other podcasts in between see you next episode cheers 
Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com, as in been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the BTDT Been There, Done That Homeschool Podcasts.